Talk of the Town with topics that matter. Here's Lisa Kay. Focus on Ag is Talk of the Town today, and we have our guest on the phone with us. We've got Kent Tesey from Minstar Bank and our uh, egg commentator on everything. How have you been since the last time I spoke with you, Kent? Well, doing good. Doing good. Been trying to take in a little of the nice weather we've had. I mean, obviously been a little on the dry side, but certainly the temperature has been pretty easy to take. Yeah, absolutely. Here we are into November already, and I know that uh, a lot of uh, harvest is... is, uh, Where are we um, as far as wrapping up harvest for the year? Well, I think for the most part, uh, at least in our immediate area here, harvest is pretty well completed. I think... uh, the last uh, Minnesota report had over 80% of the corn out, and I would say if you get down here in south-central Minnesota, it's probably 95% plus out. There's still a few areas where there's a field here or there, but uh, not many. Uh, <clears throat> that nice weather we had the end of October, uh, a, lot of, a lot of farmers finished up uh, by last a week ago this weekend, and excuse me, with some changes in weather um, coming in, I think farmers kind of pushed it to get done. Now, there is some tillage to get done. I mean, part of it is, you know, maybe farmers uh, still have it to do time-wise, but part of it is just the very dry soil conditions. Some farmers have been waiting uh, to get a little moisture in the soil before they do tillage, or they're cutting back on their tillage to prevent erosion, uh, any of the above. And the same is true with fertilizer applications. Uh, you know, some farmers have done some fall fertilization, uh, certainly putting manure in the soil uh they've been doing some of that injecting in but some farmers have been holding off just to uh, maybe get a little moisture in the soil they don't fertilizer is very expensive right now it's about three times what the price was two years ago so farmers don't want to put that fertilizer on the soil and potentially especially nitrogen fertilizer that gets injected in the soil and you need some soil moisture to f- uh, stabilize that nitrogen in the soil for next year's crop and they don't want to risk losing that at the uh, current high prices of fertilizer. Right and I know in the next couple of days anyways we are expecting a little bit of moisture here in the immediate area so maybe that'll help. Yeah that that would certainly be welcome you know you look at uh, uh, really the I think the last couple weeks the drought monitor that's come out has put two-thirds to three-fourths of the state of Minnesota in some level of drought. And basically the the southern half of the state is entirely encompassed there. And uh, um, there's kind of a stretch that kind of goes from uh, down in southwest Minnesota through the Twin Cities area, actually catches kind of uh, northern Nicollet and Sibley County in our area, northern Lesueur County that's in an extreme drought. And uh, the rest of the area here, most of our area is in severe drought, and that's because uh, uh, we did get a, a Scotia rain last week, anywhere from a tenth to a little over a half inch. But uh, other than that, uh, we since really in late August, we had had very little rain. Uh, it was measured in hundredths and mm. not in tenths and, or inches. And if you go to the west, out where the extreme drought is, you get out in the Redwood Falls, Lamberton area, and they've had, uh, if you go back to the 
first uh, of May, they've had less than half of their normal rainfall out in those areas. So it's been extremely dry. And, uh, you know, when you look at the amount of rainfall we've had in some areas, it's pretty amazing that we've even had the kind of crop yields we did. Now, the fortunate thing was uh, when you start looking at the impacts of rainfall on yield, a lot of times it's timeliness of rainfall in addition to amount. Now, certainly having more amount um, <clears throat> increases your stored soil moisture and has more available, and we see the results in that in yield. But timeliness, had we not had, uh, we had some timely rains right after planting to get the crop off to a good start. We had some more timely rains right around pollination time for corn in early July. And then again in August, which really helped finish our corn crop off and helped our soybean crop. So again, the timeliness of those rains was extremely important to uh, getting the kind of yields we did this year and having some availability of some stored soil moisture. And uh, that's gonna kind of a concern going forward here if we don't get some soil recharge here this fall is that we've we've kind of, as they say, drained the tank down there. They're uh, uh, both at Waseca and Lamberton, uh, the closest areas where they do some extensive um, measurements of stored soil moisture. Uh, uh, the tank, so to speak, is very empty. We've uh, pretty well drained out a lot of the uh, available moisture in the top five feet of soil, except very deep down in that soil profile. So certainly not just getting a half inch of rain here, but getting several inches of rain in the next couple of weeks before the ground freezes solid would be very beneficial looking forward to next year. And if we don't, do do farmers then hope for more snow? Or how does the... I, what is the trade off well, there? Snow can help. You know, obviously, if you get some wet, heavy snow early uh, before the ground freezes, it goes in the soil. Once the ground freezes solid, um, you know, uh, basically, then the snow's on the surface. And uh, a lot of times, uh, especially if the ground is frozen solid, that snow will melt before the ground, the soil does, and a lot of that moisture runs off. Now, it will help some, but not. Uh, certainly doesn't have the impact that it would to get either some uh, heavy rainfall or wet snowfall that soaks in the soil here before the ground freezes up. And and then, of course, you got next spring, you got to hope that once the ground does thaw out that we do get some uh, moisture before planting. Again, uh, we've seen some years you can have a very wet March and early April period, uh, but uh, ideally it's nice to get that extra moisture in the fall and have uh, good planting conditions in the spring so we'll we'll have to wait and see you know there's also concerns obviously uh, beyond just farming our, a lot of our rivers and streams uh, are at very low levels uh, some have even dried up a lot of lakes uh, there's some concern I think with some of our shallow lakes in the area about freeze out this winter and mm-hmm. and the other thing to be concerned about is when you get these very dry soils sometimes a frost if we get extremely cold weather without a lot of snow cover that that freeze can go very deep in the ground and cause problems with pipes and other things so there's certainly some concerns beyond just farmers here for other folks uh, as we look ahead uh, I Again, uh, 
two, three, four inches of rain here in the next uh, couple of weeks would certainly help alleviate some of those concerns. We're going to cross our fingers. Uh, how are the yields looking and the grain quality, things like that? Well, actually, uh, you know, I th- again, I think our immediate area, most farmers were pretty happy with the yields. I mean, uh, I guess farmer mentality is you can always have more, but there were some, uh, I would say it ranged from probably average to excellent across much of the region. Uh, there's probably some spotty fields here and there that uh, got shorted a little on rain that uh, maybe had uh, some below average yields. But overall, uh, <clears throat> I think right here in South Central Minnesota, we were among the fortunate ones. As you went west or north of here, uh, the rainfalls were a lot more spotty. The yields were a lot more variable, and so uh, I think we're we're farmers are pretty happy. I think with the yields. I, now Minnesota, according to the uh, USDA report that came out in mid October, there's one coming out again this week, um, which will have an updated yield number, but. For Minnesota, they were projecting a statewide corn yield of 190 bushels an acre, and that compares to 177 last year, Mm. so quite a bit higher than a year ago when there was a lot of drought in the entire western and northern part of Minnesota. And if you go back, it's almost the same as 2020 when the state average yield was 191. Uh, the all-time record was in 2017, 194, and certainly I think that kind of correlates very closely to our area here uh, with some fairly strong yields. If we look at soybeans, um, USDA projects Minnesota at a 50 bushel per acre mark. Uh, that compares to 47 last year, and 50 is exactly the same as 2020. And again, the re- state record yield was 52.5 in 2016. So uh, again, not quite record yields across the state, but better than last year and kind of comparable to where we've been in typical years. Uh, nationally, uh, they've kind of been reducing the yields, a lot of drought in states like Nebraska, Kansas, western Iowa, parts of South Dakota. Nationally, they're looking at a 171.9 average. A year ago, the U.S. average was 176.7, which was a record. And soybeans are looking at a uh, uh, just under 50 bushel an acre average, almost the same as Minnesota, 49.8. And that this compares to 51.7 a year ago. So that's uh, the yields being down uh, nationally uh, certainly is one of the reasons we've seen the strength in prices that we have is because they are projecting yields to be a little bit lower than they have been in the past. And so this takes us right into talking about grain prices. Currently pretty strong? Well, the uh, grain prices have remained quite strong, and this is the second year in a row, actually, that uh, uh, we've come out of harvest uh, with some very strong prices, and that's, uh, we kind of maybe start to think, well, that's the normal. Well, it really isn't. Normally, this time of year, uh, when you have harvest, you have a lot of grain available. Big supplies is when grain prices locally tend to be lower because uh, <clears throat> there's a big supply around. And uh, obviously, uh, we talked about uh, the yields in some areas being down, uh, maybe not right here locally, but uh, in the big picture of things. And there's still strong demand for grain, uh, both <clears throat> domestically for producing ethanol and at soybean processing plants for feed use for livestock but also our export demand is strong i think i just saw that 
The U.S. is going to set records for grain exports again this year. They're up from last year. And really since uh, the kind of the ending of the China trade war back in 2018-19, U.S. grain exports have been very strong. And part of that, certainly uh, there's been uh, some production challenges around the world, but also including South America last year. But then, of course, the war in Ukraine has kind of disrupted some of the grain shipments worldwide as well. And so that's kind of increased the demand for U.S. grain and helped strengthen prices. So right now we're we're looking at uh, cash corn prices, uh, you know, six seventy five to seven dollars a bushel. And that's the highest uh, we've seen in a long time at harvest time and soybean prices at 14 to 15 dollars a bushel and um certainly that uh, if you have uh, average or better yields that uh, certainly adds to the bottom line as far as profitability uh so i guess that's the good news obviously those farmers that uh, happen to be in areas where they had reduced yields uh, don't see the full benefit of those good prices but they still are even with some reduced yields probably able to hold things together pretty well. One of the reasons I love talking to you is the education that I get on this. Let's talk a little bit about Chicago Board of Trade versus the um, the local basis and what the difference is in, in looking at price. Well, that's one thing. A lot of times if you, uh, you know, for those that don't, uh, maybe aren't, they know a little bit about agriculture, but not a lot. When you listen to grain market reports, like on the Linder Farm Network every day, they'll talk about basis levels and sometimes, well, what's basis mean? And what basis really is, is the difference between the closest trade month on the Chicago Board of Trade and whatever local grain price is being offered at a local elevator or a local ethanol plant or soybean plant. And normally this time of year, uh, right after harvest, we'd be looking at a 30 to 40 cent basis under the Chicago price uh, for a local price. Because, again, usually harvest time, uh, there's all kinds of grain around. And and then the same with soybeans, it's probably usually 40 to 60 cents under this time of year. Well, what's happened is because of the strong demand out there and some uh, last couple years, maybe not quite as high a production levels nationwide as are planned, uh, the basis levels are very tight. In other words, uh, we see very narrow basis levels, uh, probably half or less than they normally would be this time of year. And in fact, at some of the processing plants, uh, uh, for corn and soybeans, they actually had a positive basis uh, where they offer a higher price than the Chicago Board of Trade price. Now, that's kind of normal if you get down maybe into southern Illinois and uh, where they're close to the Mississippi River because cost of shipping the grain is one factor that uh, gets involved with basis. But uh, the this year, uh, we're seeing that... Uh, right at harvest time and actually over the last year and a half we've had a lot of instances of positive basis which is very unusual in southern minnesota i mean we see it from time to time in a drought year like 2012 but to see it kind of ongoing uh is very unusual and you know again basis is supply and demand it's very basic economic situation but it's also 
you know, in a normal situation, your cost of shipping the grain and how much gets used locally versus being shipped by rail or shipped for export markets. So that's why a lot of times the basis level in a place like southern Minnesota for corn uh, or soybeans will be better than out in western Minnesota or South Dakota because we not only have a lot of ethanol plants and soybean processing plants, but we feed a lot of corn and soybean meal to livestock as well because we have a lot of hogs Mm -hmm. and some cattle on feed as well. So, you know, that's kind of the difference or the basics of what causes basis, but uh, it it also kind of encourages farmers to maybe move that grain to market sooner because when we have a a real tight basis or even a positive basis um, that's kind of telling farmers hey we'd like that grain to come to market and uh, holding the grain if they hold the grain till next summer and if uh, even if the board of trade price goes up if the basis widens out uh, let's say south america suddenly has a good crop all of a sudden, uh, <clears throat> in fact, that's the situation right now with soybeans. There, there's actually about a 15 cent improvement in the Chicago Board of Trade price from now to next July, but the basis is expected to widen out. So actually, the the net price that farmers could get on a cash basis is about 30 cents less in July. Hmm. So it's it's just another factor farmers need to consider when they're marketing grain and uh, something you don't always think about when you hear Chicago Board of Trade prices compared to local prices. Right. Uh, as we end our time together, we want to talk about uh, the election because that's tomorrow and we do have some agricultural impacts. Well, it is, uh, you know, uh, especially at the national level, the uh, we have a farm bill that expires in 2023, and there were a few hearings held this last year, but the general consensus was let's wait till after the midterm elections, and uh, whichever party is in control uh, will have the committee chairmanship of the U.S. House and U.S. Senate Ag Committee, and what types of things get included in a farm bill or not included and spending levels and of course a farm bill isn't just agriculture it's the nutrition programs uh, the food uh, school lunch programs WIC, uh, the uh, SNAP pro, uh, food and nutrition programs so there's a lot of things it's rural development programs uh, a lot of different things roll into that farm bill so it does have a pretty big impact The Farm Bill is one piece of legislation that really affects almost every congressional district in the United States because of the food and nutrition programs. So how that rolls out and how what the committee makeup is, there's several members of that have been on the U.S. uh, House Ag Committee aren't running for re-election. So uh, uh, it certainly uh, will play into that. And I guess the last thing I would say on the election, regardless of your feelings about issues or candidates remember to vote because if you don't vote you really don't have a say in it so it's very important Uh, i know a lot of people have already voted by mail or absentee but if you if you're in a area where you vote in person uh take advantage of it on tuesday so much information can be found on your focus on ag newsletters that come out in people's emails if anybody wants to get signed up for that what's the best way to go about it well, the best way, I, they can either just send me a direct 
uh, email at kent.tc at minstarbank.com or they can go to the Minstar Bank website and access the information there on how to sign up. So much info to give out. Make sure to sign up for that right now. Farm Management Analyst and Senior Vice President from Minstar Bank, Kent TC, with our focus on Ag Today. Kent, always good to talk to you. Uh, Hopefully we'll cross our fingers for some rain here in the next couple of weeks and hope to talk to you real soon. Sounds great. Thanks.